0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. This week and next week I'm doing a short mini-series called Save Our Souls. The slide will be up on the, on the screen in a moment. Save Our Souls. And again, I'm very excited about this. Today, next Sunday morning and next Sunday night at Furness, I just trust and believe that God's going to do something awesome in our midst. Have you ever been to a fruit bowl, maybe in your kitchen or on your dining table, and you've seen a fruit that looks nice on the outside, and you open it and it's either dry or it's rotten or there's something about it that's not good? Have you ever had that? Have you ever been to a shop or, a, or some kind of establishment and on the outside, maybe a restaurant, it looks a bit run down and not so nice and a bit shabby, but you go in and wow, it's a gem, it's a hidden gem, there's food there that's so tasty. It's amazing how sometimes what's on the outside doesn't match up to what's on the inside. And the idea behind our Save Our Souls series is that you have an outward appearance, which is your body. If you like, it's your earth suit. It's what you need to live and function on planet earth. You walk around in it, but it's not the real you. And then on the inside of that, there's something called your soul, which is your personality and who you are and how you think and feel. But even in the inside of that, there's something called your spirit. So you have three parts. And often, The world tells us that it's all about what you look like. It's all about your outside or maybe it's what you feel like. But I'm going to just try and explain and open up today and next week that your soul and your spirit are even more important. And your soul actually is a crucial part of this whole thing. Your spirit is saved if you're a Christian. Your body is not saved, but your soul is in the middle. And it's every day there's something going on where your soul has to decide and you have to train your soul and get your soul saved to decide. Is it going to be with your spirit and saved or is it going to be with your body and unsaved? And it's a constant battle that goes on. The Bible says fleshly lusts war against your soul. Your body is fighting. And and Galatians 5 says your flesh and your spirit are in conflict with each other. What's in the middle? Your soul is trying to decide what to do. And many of us don't even realize what our soul is. We don't know know, what is my soul. Is it my emotions? Is it how I feel? Is it my personality? Is it the way I was brought up? Is it my culture? Uh, What is my soul? Who am I? And so we look in the mirror. We say, who am I? Who am I? We gaze into those eyes, staring back at us in the mirror. Who are you? What am I? Where am I going? And then we look at our emotions. How am I? Who am I? What do I feel like? We look at our feelings and our thoughts and our, our moods that go up and down every day. Say, is this the real me? But actually for the Christian, there's something absolutely revolutionary. You have the power of God. You have something on the inside of you in your spirit that is not just a passive thing. Your spirit is not just this little wrapped up thing inside of you that just sits there and does nothing. It's a powerful, energetic, living force. Jesus called it a fountain of living water or a river of living water. And it's inside of you and it's bursting to come out and to save your soul and to save your body but every day you and I have to let it happen. So let me read you a couple of verses. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Let me read that again. It says lay aside all the... All the filthiness of the world and receive the implanted word of God which is able to save your soul. Now James was writing this to Christians just a couple of verses earlier. He calls them his beloved brethren and he says God has brought us forth by the word of truth. They were Christians already. These people were saved, saved, saved. Their spirits were as perfect as they were ever going to be. As forgiven as they were ever going to be. Just like Jesus on the inside of them. But their souls needed saving. That's an interesting one. As a pastor, all of my job is about helping people to try and get their souls saved. <laughs> Obviously, their are spirits. We, we believe Jesus helps people get born again. But then there's this process... And some people, they allow what's in their spirits to save their souls and their, their whole souls. Their personalities, their mind, their thoughts, their emotions get revolutionized. And they enjoy this amazing life of God. Other people have the same power of God on the, on the inside of them in their spirits. But because they've never revitalized their minds, they've never renewed their souls. They've got this amazing potential in them, but they live Unhappy, defeated lives, just like as if they weren't saved. And my job, often I see people, I just say, if you could just get a hold of what's inside of you. And people cry out to God, oh God, save me. And He says, it's already in you. I heard a story about some sailors who were sailing off the coast of South America. Did you know that the Amazon River is so strong and so big that when it flows out into the sea for about 100 kilometers out offshore, it's fresh water? Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? And I heard about some sailors who, through some storms and some miscalculations, they were stranded. They were just drifting on the sea off the coast of South America. And for days upon days, they were drifting. They were almost dead. Because they they felt they couldn't drink the water that was there. And it was actually fresh water. They saw a big ship coming past and they cried out, SOS, save us, help us. And the guy said, don't be silly, just dip it up. Just put your cup into the water. There's plenty of fresh water all around you. I, I promise you on a daily basis, I see Christians and my heart just wants to break for them and say there's so much available to you it's right there in your spirit but we're crying out God I need another miracle God I need you to intervene again or or somebody else I need somebody else to help me I need a husband or a wife or a parent or a boss or somebody to help me and God says just dip it up it's there in you Do you remember the story of the woman at the well? John chapter 4. Jesus comes to a well. It's midday. It's hot, dry, dusty. And He sits on a well in a a little town, outside a little town in Samaria. And a woman comes to Him who's had a terribly broken life. She's had five husbands and now she doesn't even bother marrying the guys. She just lives with whoever. And she's coming to the well. She's kind of an outcast. She has to come at midday to the well outside the city. She can't go where everyone else goes because... She's rejected by the the people of the city. And she comes and she sees Jesus. Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, hold on, you're a man, I'm a woman, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. What's going on here? And he says, if you knew who I was, and you knew how much God loved you, and you knew what was available, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you streams of living water coming from within you. She was looking for physical water, But the real water that she really needed was right there talking to her in front of her. She was talking to a well. She was going to a well, but Jesus was a well. He said, I am the river. I'm the stream of living water. And if you ask me, I'll put it inside of you. There's an amazing verse in Jeremiah 2 verse 13 where God says, My people have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have dug their own cisterns or their own wells of muddy, dirty water. Christian, how often have we, and I include myself in this, looked around for something else to satisfy our souls, and actually that river of living water is right there on the inside of us. So that's what I want to talk about for these next two weeks. Is that okay? Amen. That's awesome. So what is your soul? Does anybody know what's in your soul? It's quite a funny concept. Some people just think I've got a body and then I've got a soul. They don't realize there's a spirit and a soul. The spirit and the soul are two separate things. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. He says, I pray that your whole body, soul and spirit would be sanctified. There's, there's three parts to you. Your body we know is just physical flesh. Your spirit is that part of you that relates to God and that is going to live forever and that God makes alive again when we become Christians. But your soul is a mixture of the two. It gets messages from your body, from your eyes and your ears and your senses. It it takes in information, but it also can be connected to your spirit and it's in the middle of the two, your soul. Many people have said that your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Have you ever heard that, that division given before? So your mind is the part of you that perceives information. Your will is the part of you that decides what you're going to believe and what you're going to do. And then your emotions are these things just like the little kids in a family that run along behind following You know, it's kind of like a mom and a dad, the will and the mind. I don't know which is which. Depends on your family, which is the will and which is the mind. Mom and dad are going somewhere and the kids are running along behind. And if mom and dad are happy, the kids are happy. And if mom and dad are crossed, then the kids are. And if, if the environment that mom and dad take them into is a bad environment, then the kids are scared. But if it's a happy, joyful place, then the kids are happy again. That's what your emotions are like. They just follow along behind your will and your mind. So your mind perceives. What's the truth? What's the situation? I remember when I was uh, first going into bush areas where there were wild animals. All I'd seen was wildlife documentaries where people play around with wild animals. I didn't realize wild animals were scary. My mind had perceived information. And so I went into the bush and I saw wild animals quite close to us, actually. Some dangerous animals. Some lions, actually. We... This guy who was a game guy took us really close, on foot, without a gun, close to a Pride Alliance. I don't know what he was thinking. And I was as happy as Larry. I thought, hey, this is fine. Because my mind had perceived there was no danger. And so my emotions just followed along. But then I saw and I realized some of the other people around me were getting nervous. And some people told some stories about some terrible incidents that had happened. And suddenly my mind perceived another truth. And my emotions (laughs) changed. Your emotions just follow along. Fear. Oh, yeah. It's a bit like a guy who has a pain in his chest and his shoulder and his neck, and he feels the pain, and he's not sure what it is. His emotions are kind of ambivalent, a little bit, oh, what's going on. So he looks on the internet, and it says, These are the symptoms of a heart attack. Whoa. Suddenly his mind has perceived something, and his emotions just follow along. Ah, heart attack. This is terrible. My life's going to end. His emotions follow along behind his mind. And then he goes to the doctor. And the doctor does some tests. And he puts some electrodes and listens. And, uh, and he says, you've got terrible indigestion. <laughs> and now his will has to decide. Do I believe doctor? Do I believe internet? Still got the same pain. Which, and he decides. He uses his decider to decide, oh, I'm going with doctor. My emotions follow along. <laughs> you get a letter from the bank. It says, terrible situation. You're overdrawn. We're going to do this. We've got terrible this and that and that. The emotions. Information comes into the mind. Emotions. Just, oh. You get another letter from the bank. We made an error. Everything's fine. You've got extra money in your account. <laughs> Your emotions just follow, but the sad thing is, how many of us, if we are honest, if I say to you, how are you? First of all, how's your body? You check out your feelings. You, do I have any pain? Is there anything not working? Uh, how am I fe- I'm not as fit and agile as I used to be, a little bit overweight. Okay, that's how my body is. How's my soul? Most of us would say, how's my emotions? Wouldn't we? How, how are you? How are you? How are you today? a little bit worried fearful down bitter angry upset whatever we let our emotions guide us it's like putting the kids in the front seat of the car and saying where are we going today kids isn't it okay i'm gonna i've got a lot to say on this but i'm gonna just focus on one one aspect today and then next week we'll talk a bit more Psalm 131 verse 2. This is David speaking. He says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. This is David speaking. And he says that he's treating his soul like a child. And he's calmed and quieted his child. Now I have children... Thankfully, they're not little anymore. They're all grown up to teenage years. They're not fully grown up, but they pretty much have their own self-control now. But when kids are little, they don't have any self-control. And the trick for us as parents is to decide how much do I let them just run wild and how much do I control them and how do I train them so that they learn to behave and act and interact correctly and to manage their lives correctly that's the challenge as a parent and if you're not a parent can I just give you an amazing insight children are not born good (laughs) it's an amazing thing they're not born good you know we have this wonderful little baby arrives in our world oh what a joy what a miracle what a wonderful thing It's just going to be sunshine and light and rainbows and it's going to smile. And every time I tell it to do something, it'll say, yes, daddy, it's going to be wonderful. And very soon we realize, actually, this child, if I leave it to its own devices, it's going to be a disaster. If you're a parent, can I ask you, did you have to train your child to lie? Did you have to teach it? This is how you lie. You say something, but you really mean something. Did you have to teach them? You don't have to teach them. It's natural. It's in them. They know to say yes, and actually they mean no. Yes, I will, and they have no intention of doing it. Brother did it when it was them that did it. It just comes naturally to them. Do you have to teach them to be selfish? You know this thing. It's mine. It's mine. Share with sister. Do you have to teach them that? It's just in them. You have to teach them the other stuff. And so when they're very little, you have to be stern. And you have to say, no, that's not okay. And if they don't do it, you have to actually have the courage as a parent to say, it is my duty and my right and the correct thing to do to stop this child doing what they want. I have to stop them and train them. Because if I don't, they're going to grow up. And if they don't learn to control themselves, then the government will control them by putting them in prison. That's the fact of it. I've got to train a child. I've got to teach it through strength and discipline. Also love I've got to build a relationship with it, but I've got to train this child the ways to think, the ways to act. If I don't, that child will be a disaster. It's just a fact of life. And David says, I have calmed and quieted and trained my soul (laughs) like a weaned child. Isn't that interesting? Friend, your soul and my soul, and I'm not pointing fingers at you, I'm pointing fingers at us. Our souls, if they're left to their own devices are a mess. They've been trained by our background, by our family background. They've been trained by our own fleshly sinful desires to think and act and feel wrongly and want the wrong things. They've been trained by the world around us, every magazine and TV and radio and everything. They've been trained by everyone around us to think wrong. Everything about our souls is twisted and perverted and it's it's got a bent in it that's wrong if I leave my soul to itself my emotions to themselves they will go wrong and then I become a Christian and I say hallelujah I'm saved but your soul is not saved your soul is still the same it still follows those desires it still wants to go with your flesh it still wants to listen to those wrong emotions and thinking patterns and I have to train my soul there's a verse up on the screen Which is 3 John verse 2. And it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just think about that verse for a second. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, that things may go well with you. And that you may be in health. How? Is God going to come with a lightning bolt? Is Brother Wonderful going to come and lay hands on me? How's this going to happen? How am I going to prosper? How am I going to enjoy all the benefits and blessings of the Lord? Am I going to cry out and God's going to... No, no. He says, as your soul prosper. As your soul is saved, you enjoy all the benefits of this life that's already in your spirit. Now, does that mean we can't lay hands on people to pray for healing? No, we can. God is kind enough that He allows us to get healed when somebody prays for us. Or to have a a miracle happen when someone prays for us. But His best plan. Please hear me, Christians. His best plan is not that we have to get somebody else to pray for us every time. But that our soul gets saved. So all the benefits that are in us come out. Is that okay? It's fine to go up for prayer. It's good to go up for prayer. It's good to go and ask somebody to lay hands on you and pray and pray. To build relationships. It's wonderful for the body of Christ to stand together and have relationships. But you have enough in you. As a Christian, you have the power of God in you. That if you can just get your soul to be saved. To agree with your spirit. To be and think and feel like Jesus. All those benefits will flood out. And many of us have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. And we're still babies in our souls. We're still like we were when we got saved, and we're still looking outside for somebody else to help us. And it's all that we need to do is start to train our souls like a weaned child. So, how did David do it? David had some struggles. He was the last born of eight brothers, and he was the, the one that was rejected. All the other brothers sat at home and talked about great, important things, and he was sent into the sheep field to look after the sheep. Alone, rejected. When Samuel the prophet came to find the next king of Israel, the other brothers said, no, it can't be David. He's the runt. He's the one out there in the field. David was rejected. When David went to um, the front lines where the army, where his brothers were, to see what was happening with Goliath, his brothers were horrible to him. They said, what do you want, you little rubbish? What are you doing here? He was rejected. His soul could have been like a, a normal naughty child and just got bitter upset oh i hate life but the bible says that he worshiped the lord he found strength in his god and so a bear comes to steal the sheep david says lord help me fight this bear and he trains his soul he chooses by his mind to perceive is the bear the reality or is my god bigger than the bear he chooses with his mind and his will how to perceive reality and his emotions follow and he fights the bear even though he's scared and the bear draws out of him the strength to kill the next thing which is a lion and a lion comes and he finds the strength he uses his mind and his will his emotions follow he trains his soul and he kills the lion and the killing of the lion draws out of him the ability to be a giant killer and he sees Goliath and he uses the same process. He worships. He calls on the Lord. He sees more reality than just what his eyes see. He uses his will to decide. He trains his soul. And the giant pulled out of him the ability to be a king. There's a story in 1 Samuel 30. Is it one? Yeah, 1 Samuel 30 where David is camped with his men. He's been anointed king, but he's still an outcast. Saul is hunting him. He's, he's a bit of a, a, a fugitive, running away. And they camped in a town called Ziklag. They go off and they come back to the town. And the Philistines, or the Amalekites, I forget who it is, have taken the, the town. They've burnt everything in the town. They've taken all their possessions. They've taken their wives and their children. And it says that David and all his men wept until they had no strength to weep anymore. And all the men rose up against David, and they wanted to kill him. And verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. The soul of all the people was grieved. All the men there were grieving. Their soul Was using their mind to perceive a situation. Burnt ground. Smoke rising. My goods have been taken. My wife and kids. They're perceiving and their emotions are following on and they are grieved. And it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's an amazing little phrase. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What did he do? He took this soul of his that was like a child and he trained it. And he said, soul, I know you can see some information in front of you, but there's something else you need to think about. And he used his will and his mind and his emotions followed in and the strength of God came into him. You know, the Psalms record David's prayers and his times of worship with the Lord. Again and again, he speaks to his soul. Did you know that? He speaks to his soul. He says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. <coughs> again and again, he speaks to his soul. He doesn't just think, I am my emotions. He realizes there's a mommy and a daddy, a mind and a will in this family. And I can tell my soul what to do. And he trains his soul. I'm going to close by reading Psalm 103. Out of the New King James. I don't know, Adele, are you able to call up Psalm 103 in the New King James and put it on the screen? Maybe you can just try that. I'm going to ask you, friends, if you wouldn't mind standing with me, and we're going to read Psalm 103. This was written by David, and he was talking to his soul, and we're going to talk to our souls. We're going to use the Bible to start training our souls today. Is that all right? So, I'm just going to read it first, and then we'll read it together. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That means he's telling his soul to start praising God. Even though his soul doesn't feel like it, he's saying, soul, praise the Lord. Right. You ready? So, Lord, I pray that you would empower us today. Help us, Lord. Lord, we want to we get this life that's on the inside of us to come out. Lord, I pray that our souls would be trained like a child. I pray that you would help us today. And next week, Lord, to make giant strides forward in this process. Help us, Lord, to get our mind and our will and our emotions in line with what you're doing in us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Right, let's go together. One, two, three. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your soul with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's jump forward to verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Let's just focus on the Lord now. Father, I thank you that those words that I've just said are true. Lord, my eyes and my feelings might tell me something else. But I know that this is reality and I choose, Lord, I choose today to inform my soul, to inform my emotions that this is true, that you are good, that you've healed all my iniquities and diseases. Father, I receive this. And I thank you, Lord, that just as a human parent loves his child, Lord, you love me And you want to develop me. You want to help my soul to be developed. I thank you, Lord, that there's a spring, a fountain, a river of God's living water inside of me that wants to burst out. And, Lord, I choose today to turn the hinge in my life. My soul is a hinge. I choose to turn the hinge from believing what my body says to believing what my spirit says, Lord. I choose to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. And I thank you, God, that my soul is being saved today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or... LighthouseJersey.com